Welcome to In The Zone, your mental strength and endurance podcast presented by Maike. Hi. And myself, Thierry. Maike, I'm super excited today because we have a really incredible interview um, to to give you guys. It's um, I interviewed uh, my one of my best friends, Adam Nicholson. Uh, we met uh, about 10, 11 years ago doing a triathlon back in uh, Lincoln in the UK. And uh, he took me under his wing, um, really with sports, and because I knew nothing about swimming or triathlon. And um, so I was really starting from scratch. And so, yeah, he, he really taught me how to swim, basically. Wow. So how old were you at the uh, time? Well, that was 10 years ago. So I was 20, 24, 25. Okay, so pretty late. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I started triathlon pretty late. I, I was Before that, I was mostly playing golf. Okay. So completely different. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, so here I am now, um, obviously a coach. But uh, So I changed my life quite a lot. But uh, he really took me under his wing and we became pretty much best friends. We lived together. Um, he's an incredibly talented uh, swimmer, so swimming is his main sport. But in his work life, he's also an architect by trade. He owns also a, a tailoring company. He's also a car company. And he built all these companies from scratch. So it's just an incredibly motivated and driven person. Wow. With lots of, I mean, you'll, you'll hear it. It's just absolutely amazing. So um, it's a really great story. Um, and I think from the interview we have, we, we've listened to it already. I mean, I did the interview, you listened to it already. Um, there's, there's three main topics that we quickly want to, to talk to you guys about. And the first one is the athlete development. Mm -hmm. The second topic is more about team spirit or motivation. And the third um, topic is about preparation or routine we, we touched on planning on the on the previous podcast but uh, this is again re reinforcing what we were saying um so about athlete development um he's got some really interesting points um maybe you want to tell us a bit about what you think about that what did you think oh yeah athlete development of course uh that is actually talent development that's the key yeah that's the key. How do you develop talents? I think uh, the best co coaches in the world ask themselves if they see talent, how to bring out the best in, in that athlete. And you see in sports, there are clearly two contrasting opinions about uh, athlete development. The first one is what we call early specialization, where you start early what we call deliberate practice. And deliberate practice means basically re repetitive activity to develop expertise. So you see that in swimming, there's a lot of repetition, a lot of doing the same to achieve okay. a certain level. You mean just basically just swimming every single time exactly. and back and down yes. the lane and again. Exactly, okay. exactly. As opposed to early diversification, which means doing a lot of different sports with late specialization. And that's really, really different. And in this case, there is for a long time what we call free practice involved. And then you spend a lot of time playing around and having fun. And there is really right. a fundamental difference. So, um, and there are two contrasting opinions. And it, it, what we know from research that early specialization, so a lot of deliberate practice, tends to bring out elite 
athletes. Yeah. This means that if you do a lot of repetitive exercise and you start to specialize at a very early age, then obviously you have a lot of opportunity or chance to become an elite athlete. But at the same time, uh, and that's the downside to it, is that uh, it reduces the physical health and the personal fulfillment. Yeah. And it increases the chances of injury. So in the end... But how uh, many as well of those kids, you know, there's a huge amount who will just drop out. Yes, that's uh, that's the point. So so we can assume that with early specialization, we can become an elite performer, but against what price? Yeah. And uh, most probably you will drop out early in the process. So it doesn't yeah. really make any sense. Yeah, out of a hundred kids, you might have one. Maybe one. No, I mean, a hundred, out of a thousand yes, or 10,000. Exactly, 000, yeah. exactly. And they... Uh, they, they recently, in 2016, have done a very, very interesting uh, research, very important. What they did, they compared Olympic medalists with non-medalists and the moment they start their specialization. So the key question was, at what point did these, these guys with medals start their specialization? And what they figured out was that there is a huge difference, an important difference between the athletes who have won medals... Uh, and the ones that haven't. And the ones that have won a medal started their specialization later. Wow. And they have also practiced more different sports. Well, we would, so, we would think of the opposite, actually. Exactly. And But, in fact, the ones who won the medals exactly. were the ones who started yes, late. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And there are a few reasons for it. The first one I've already mentioned. There is less dropout. So the chances of having uh, more medals within a group of thousand athletes grows And the second, uh, more importantly, is that your physical and motor skill also develop differently if you do different sports at an early age. And the third thing is more psychological, and that is that our mental skills tend to develop much more rapidly if we do different things at an early age. So our learning skills are much more challenged when we do football, tennis, uh, maybe an individual sport, and so forth, and so forth. And this, this is what we call development of resilience. And the resilience is especially super important when you want to become an elite athlete. Yeah. So the resilience skills are basically formed when you're young and doing many, many different things instead of repetitive activities. And maybe tell us about the different splits of, of age and percentages of what should be, you know, free play versus repetitive versus you know at what age do we see this becoming you know important to to practice until what age should yeah. we practice different sports so first of all it may be interesting to say and many people know this rule uh that we need at least 10,000 hours of practice yeah, to become the famous 10,000 yeah the famous 10,000 hours hours and of which 4,000 deliberate practice so yeah. um But we need to build that up progressively. So it's, it's always, the goal is always to avoid dropout and to uh, respect the recovery. So depending on the age, there is a, a, a rule and there has been done a lot of research and we definitely can share uh, different uh, research documents uh, uh, in the podcast. Um, from six to 12, years old, we say it's important to have at least 80% free practice. So playing with a focus on many sports. 
I mean, there is a limit to it, but some kids do do maybe three to four different sports. And that's perfectly, as long as the kid likes it, it's fantastic. So 80% uh, free, free practice. Then uh, between 13 and 15, I would say it's 50-50. With, if possible, preferably two to three sports. And then between 16 and 22, that's the age of specialization. Then that's 20% free and 80% deliberate practice uh, with one to two sports. So yeah. still, even if you are specializing, then it would be definitely better if to do more than one sport. Yeah, this is almost like the complete opposite of what we think or we see in, in today's world. Really. Yes. Because oh, we tend to specialize so early and yes. have one yes. sport, typically football, for example. Some yeah. kids just want to play football yeah. all the time. Yes. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. And they, they, they push you, the yeah. football clubs, yes. to just play football, two practice, three practice, and a match. Yes. And what, and you, can, you can't do anything else. No. And you get injured. Yeah. And if you get and injured, bored. And bored maybe, uh, but some kids are super ambitious and they have big dreams and that's fantastic. But getting injured is really mm. something uh, which is, uh, well, anyway, if at a very early age you get injured, that's not good for the body. And secondly, most trainers or most clubs do are not able to deal with the injury. Mm. So you're, uh, most kids, at, especially at a younger age, they do uh, play uh, within a team because they, they have friends. Their whole life is there. So imagine you getting injured then forget about spending uh, three to four times with your team because you're just yeah. sitting at home. No, but that's um, that's exactly what I do in my in my kids camp. You know, I have six, uh, the kids camps I, I do during the year are for six to ten year old kids. And we it's multi sports. We do from, you know, running to cycling. Um, we do some uh, uni hockey if we have the material. Uh, we play, a, we try a bit of ru touch rugby. We play, do, do loads of different athletic sports. For example, I make them throw a ball uh, in loads of different ways. Yes. To just develop all these skills and play many different things. Jumping, you know, yes. all these skills are important. Um, and you should just have a variety of activities and sports. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's it's this the, the studies that you mentioned are just music to my ears because it's exactly what I'm doing. Yes. But I I knew about the twelve to thirty up until twelve or thirteen, but I didn't realize as well past even sixteen how yes. much. Um, but we were talking earlier, and I said that I I read somewhere that in the U.S. the professional sports sportsmen, uh, U.S. sports, you know, basketball, baseball. It, there's I think there's a majority of these guys at college or university could have chosen to go for one or another sport. Yeah. Most of them. That, yeah. And that's exactly yes. what we're saying. They, they, they could have maybe chose to go baseball or American football. I don't know. Exactly. And, and there's not many who actually just played one sport their whole life. No, no. Yeah. Um, and and uh, as I said, the advantage of doing more sports, often a child is very good at one sport and obviously it's it's uh, it's something you um, you get a lot of motiv motivation from if you're good at something, but doing something else and learning new things will also help you to overcome adversity. Yeah. So it's it's mentally very smart to have a child uh, doing different things to deal with different kind of problems or challenges. 
instead of just having you doing one thing and and being really good at that yeah no it's um i, I think the the athlete development unless there's there's something else you want to add but i i think we would we're probably going to do another podcast just on on that because it's Great. it's such a big big topic and uh well thanks to adam in the interview that he brought it up and um yeah it's, it's super interesting um the, the second uh, one we can talk about which was very surprising for a, a sport like swimming but for him for adam what really motivated him and drove him to excel to go to another level was being part of a team yes fantastic in swimming yeah, in swimming uh yeah we we sometimes have a very limited view on individual sports in terms of how important the team is we think that swimming or playing golf or tennis that it doesn't make a difference who are the people around you in your team but actually it has a huge impact not only on our well-being and the way we perceive the sport but also on our performance um, because the team uh, we belong to forms a very important source of pride and self-confidence and being part of a team even in an individual sport has a huge impact on the performance and that that means that if you are socially attached to some to a team to to your peers and you feel accepted then uh, you will be much more motivated to give your best effort yeah much more motivated yeah. that has such an in incredible psychological effect and that's often very underestimated and and also underused in sports such as swimming exactly or um, you know triathlon or cy cycling or, or or running eventually they can become team sports but i feel that in the early days that links back to the athlete development we we're talking about before I feel that in the clubs, the local clubs don't use the team or, or the, the federations don't organize enough team events mm -hmm. for, for the for the young for for the young people. Yes. Or they they uh, don't use the potential yeah. there is to have to create a team, although they play individual matches. Of course you can change the way you let them interact or let them play to have more competition within the team or to have more playful events but also the to create a team spirit really makes sense because it it creates a collective spirit that boosts not only the team performance but also the individual performance mm. because imagine you have a team of five players and four four of them or three of them play well in the morning and you are in the afternoon you are likely to play better because your team is playing well that day yeah, yeah. it just boosts your confidence it has to do with the feeling of collective competency yeah so it's 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 really the individual notion of competence grows with the collective feeling of competence yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. no I, I for my example i it, I was um, quite good at golf when I was a, a kid. I was in the B squad um, in the Swiss Swiss team, and um, yeah, I was okay. Um, I was number three, for example, under thirteen. I was number three in Switzerland, and number uh, at eighteen, I was maybe in the top ten or something like that. Um, and then they asked me to choose between uh, golf and my studies, so I just said, "Well, goodbye." 
And um, I went to the UK to, to study at university and I joined um, the team at my university and I also joined the University of London golf team. Within a year, I was playing the best of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was going from a three to four handicap when I left, maybe seven at 17 years old, to shooting r regularly under par. Wow. What changed? I was having fun. I was with my yeah. friends and I... And, I was just, like you said before, you play with guys, and that's exactly what Adam says. I could see guys, my teammates, making birdies all the time, shooting on yes. the par. And I was like, I can do that. Yeah. I was just, I can, I can maybe, maybe not beat these guys, but just be as good as them at yes. least or, or get to their point. Yeah. And yeah, I, I was beating some of the guys who were in, on paper much better than me. I was beating them regularly. Yes. And it's just being part of a team helped so much yeah and so so it's the 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 collective competency uh, the, the 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 fact that your teammates are also very performing. well performing yeah and but the, the the important basis for that is this team spirit the trust so it's very important that you trust your teammates yeah. and you feel the trust of them so they give you confidence mm. and that is a formula what which will eventually help you to really boost your performance. So we should definitely also work on team culture, team spirit, team uh, cohesion within individual sports. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's absolutely. That team, uh, that's probably another, another show. <laughs> But it's, yeah, no, uh, we, we don't think of swimming as a sport, for, as a team sport. You know, there are lots of relays actually uh, at the Olympics. Um, And you, for me, these are always the best events to watch. You know, you see the guys on the, behind the blocks just cheering on and you can feel the, the, the spirit power. of the, the yeah. power of that yes. team. Yeah. Yes. And, so, and I think when you can share a success, yes. it's also, that's so, it means word. so much more. Exactly. No, the, the yes. I don't know. That's uh, a key word. Yeah. yeah. There's the, the ability to, to share, share it emotions. and yeah. this will uh, just simply boost your performance, everybody's performance, yes. Yeah. So the team is more than the, uh, the sum of the individuals. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's And um, the last, the last uh, topic, which I found super interesting again, we mentioned about this on the previous podcast about planning, um, but for him, for me, what really struck me is that his preparation and his routine He had, he was so, well, in the zone when he, were, when he was on the blocks against, about to swim against Ian Thorpe. You know, this is just, you know, one of the, arguably one of the greatest swimmers ever. And yeah, you, you, you still got to be mentally strong. Otherwise yeah. you're on the, on the block and you just, complete, if you lose focus now and you're intimidated. You no. know, so you got to have, and I think he explained it well, that you've got to have your same routine by, from the moment you arrive at the, the pool and, until you're called up from, to the blocks. It, this is so important. Yes, yes. Routines definitely reduce any anxiety or performance anxiety. And it's something which is very important to embed in your practice. Um, and also something you should practice. Yeah, no, <laughs> so absolutely. it's not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and of course, you can be inspired by other athletes and look what they do and, and try to integrate that in your practice. But you really have to find your own routines. 
those who you know make you feel comfortable make you feel ready boost you calm you down depending on what you need before a competition some people need to do, to be boosted others need to calm down that's very personal but uh, in order to get into that zone you can work with routines yeah. and um, but you need to practice that yeah and also making like a, a, a simple checklist definitely of things that you need to bring to, exactly. to not forget uh, because there's nothing worse like I don't know you go to a I, I don't know your swimming event and you forgot your goggles. Yeah. I mean, uh, it sounds it's stupid, possible. but if you don't have a routine in place, yes. Um, actually, he mentions one guy. He he had he broke his goggles broke. Yeah. Um, one of his competitors. Yes. And the guy basically lost it, and and that that can happen. And I I heard uh, recently um, that um, Michael Phelps actually on 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 one of his Olympic medals win I think. Yes. During the swim, I yes. think his goggles he broke. Lost. He lost they, his goggles, yes. And he swam without them, yes. but he had practiced, prepared, prepared mentally. Exactly. The, you know, so, yes. so, and he still won. Fantastic, yeah. I mean, yeah. so preparation, when I, and I, say, I said it in an interview, when I go to a triathlon, to my transition zone, I have always the same routine. Every time is the same thing. I also eat the same thing for breakfast or the night before. Everything is the same. Yes. All the time. Yeah. No, there's no surprise. Exactly. And you, because have, if you go out of your routine, you increase the chance of, well, messing up something, forgetting something. It's just exactly. a bit chaos. Yes. And by having a routine, you just basically streamline everything and make it everything organized. Exactly. I mean, you have 100% attention, spent it wise. Yeah. So spent it on, you know, really being ready and don't spend it on trying to you know search for material or um, trying to eat something which is not what you're not used to yeah. it's very simple oh. it's just simplifying How your many life times i hear people oh i just took a gel from the and first like, time first time yeah. well <laughs> that hurts <laughs> there you go oh and my stomach hurt oh really you know <laughs> yeah it sounds stupid but it's it's uh, i hear it a lot yes so you've got to practice um all, all these things but uh no uh Wonderful. Great. Yeah. Very rich interview. Very grateful for having him uh, on the show. And um, Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a different type of um, athlete because he's obviously at the top, top end of the... So he's very much someone who's, who swam at the elite level and probably could have gone even to a higher level, let's say the Olympics, had he swam full-time, you yeah. know. So, um, but it's a very... It's very interesting that all the points that we, we talked about are valuable for the everyday athlete. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. So, no, it's it's definitely every. I think for everyone there is some uh, something in this interview that that you you can take home. So, uh, no, with no further ado, here's uh, Adam Nicholson. Here you go. So, Adam, welcome to the show. Um, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, so, I'm Adam Nicholson. I'm uh, one of uh, Thierry's uh, long-standing friends, I would have thought now. Uh, must yeah. be, what, 10, 10, 12 years, something like that? You, yeah, 2009, that, I think. 2009, yeah. And um, obviously, we met through um, triathlon uh, and things like that. So, 
um, you know, I've always been into sport and I've always done sport ever since I was at school, right back from being at primary school through running and rugby and things like that. Um, and, you know, picking up swimming probably in my late teens, I would have thought. Um, Mid-late teens was kind of where I really focused on that. But obviously from, from knowing you, Thierry, that's sort of where we met those years ago at sort of triathlon training, uh, starting on short course. In, in um, good old uh, Lincoln. In good old Lincoln, yeah, I remember your first day when you turned up at the, um, <laughs> at the training session. That's an inside joke, yes. <laughs> um, so you know, it was all that it was quite some time ago, but yeah, certainly from my sort of background of um, you know sort of sport, I've been in sport since I was, you know, at school, and it's carried on all the way through to now. And so, swimming is—I mean, we're mainly going to talk about swimming because that's what you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that? one of the sports you were playing or it just arrived a bit later or what's the um, what got you into swimming i think it arrived later actually because i think i think i was more focused on at school cross-country running and uh being in the rugby team and i think swimming came along when i was probably i could always swim but i think it really came along when i was about 14 15 and, and interestingly with swimming um most of the young talent who go to swimming clubs if they're really good um they sometimes burn out at the age of 13, 14 because they've been so intensively trained by their parents and the drop-off rate at that age is, is quite high because um, the kids just want to do something else. Um, that's when they start becoming their own person. And those that really stick with it past the age of 15, 16 tend to really stick with it and do well. So I sort of got into it about that age. I think a friend of mine said, you know, I think you, you'd be a good swimmer. I think we were sort of experimenting at school with things like with um, duathlons or triathlons were starting to become popular. And so I did a couple of swim sessions and yeah, I did it and stuck with it. Um, but I was doing it more as a bolt on to the running really. Um, and thinking about what do I enjoy more than thinking I want to do competitions. But I found that because I jumped at it at that age, um, you know, the, the age group category started to, you know, a lot of the kids that were, weren't serious had started to fall away. They were doing different things. Um, and it began, you know, it became more of a friend's, um, sort of social part where your sort of your friends group and your activity group became part of swimming. And I think that just became a culture that I got into. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the I heard a, um, a story from um, that for, for kids basically age. You know, I have the kids camps which I do age uh, six mm. to ten, and we re I really try to do as many multi sports as possible um, because I heard that, and I know that from from until the age of twelve, thirteen it's really 50-50 or even less than if you're going to become a professional or not. And sometimes we, we, we tend to put the kids too much into one sport very early yeah. on. And I, I think that's what you're saying is that by the time maybe you're the guys who were going away from the sports at, you know, 13, 14, they'd be basically staring at that blue line for almost 10 years every day and you just get bored and you're, you know, so you get probably a higher drop off had you and you did the opposite you basically introduced it later but you had a multitude of sports and at the age where in your teens you were able to pick one and say right that's the one i want to do yeah you're right i mean a lot of the um the kids that are there they get that kind of um the sort of the parents that drive them to do a certain yeah. thing and i think i as you said had multiple sports that i was being driven to so i almost fell into swimming and drove myself into it other than the other way around and i think I think that helps. And also when you find a, a friendship group where you find a team that you get on with, that you can motivate each other with, where it's a positive motivation, where you know, you're, you're swimming with a group of friends that you enjoy their company and you've all got the same ambition, 
to do well or join a team or go to certain competitions and it becomes part of what you do on a weekend um you know that can be a real sort of a tonic to make you want to go more because you feel like you're part of something and i think that, that was an you know an important part of growing up between sort of 16 to 20 i think so you had a, a kind of a squad which kind of became your they became your friends and well slash family almost i guess yeah i think i think it kind of um once you know when you sort of 14, 15, starting to take swimming kind of seriously, you're starting to turn up to um, open events um, around the UK and certainly Northern France from, from spending time in the Channel Islands. And you um, end up spending your weekends on those trips, traveling with friends, either on a bus or on a boat, whatever it's going to be. And you do get a bond, you do get a friendship and a relationship that you don't realize is going to be as strong as it is until you get older or later in life. Um, and, and I think that sort of, you know, that the, the relays that you have to get into knowing that either you're the third leg or the first leg or not letting the team down. I think there's certainly a social part to it and a sort of um, a team thing that became a real part of wanting to do it. Um, and then beyond swimming, once, once you kind of got into that team thing, when you're sort of 16, 17, you want a job, you want to earn some money. And in life, you've got a choice at that age of whether you go and work in a supermarket or a patisserie down the road or whether you become a lifeguard and I think for me the natural point there was to become a, a pool lifeguard and then a beach lifeguard beyond that and then that took me down a completely different um, angle of swimming competition and, and things like that. So you're saying a lifeguard so where were you based uh, at that time? Um, at that time I started off as a pool lifeguard in Lincoln um, and I did I not did know that. that. First. Yeah it was a long time ago I think it was um, I trained to become a pool lifeguard probably when I was about 17 i spent a bit of time in lincoln doing that and i became a pool lifeguard and i did my swimming teaching coaching qualifications at the same time as doing my a levels as, as, as you do um and i sort of carried on with with all of that all the way through my a levels and it part funded uh, my first parts at university um and i continued with the squads uh, the rescue squad in lincoln and the swim squad there with pentacra um, and by the time I then moved to the Channel Islands, I then started swimming with their beach surf rescue team. Mm. Um, but the interesting thing with the Lincoln surf team or the Lincoln lifesaving team was for whatever reason, this inland swim club um, had um, three or four of their guys were actually world champions in that sport in their own right. Um, and it was quite interesting how that one, that small team and that small group of people had that kind of, uh, notoriety so when you turn up at the age of sort of 16 to that team and they're all wearing uk or gb at the time swim kit you, you do feel a level of intimidation um, but inspiration as well maybe yeah absolutely absolutely inspired by them to say well they're not that much they're not that much better than me surely i can keep up with this lot surely i can do that and i think it was really just being able to see them doing it which made me think well i can definitely do that yeah. Well, I think if you make a group kind of inclusive and you have kids turning up and they enjoy the sessions, you're going to get the most out of, out, out of the, the potential that they have. And certainly they, they got a great deal um, out of you. So wh when, when was it that you realized you or maybe your coach realized, okay, th this kid has something and you know, can can you take you to the the next level as in maybe professional or just go very much elite <laughs> i think i think that it became a, i think i was always a bit of a late developer so i was always 
Um, you know, there was always the guys at school, and I'm going back to sort of teens here, you know, the guys that sort of suddenly became six foot two at the age of 13. Um, I definitely wasn't one of those guys, and you definitely weren't either. Um, so, <laughs> um, so it depends which direction we're looking at. Um, so the, you know, I, th- I think I was really probably in my late teens where I did a, a swimming competition, um, a, re- a rescue, a pool rescue competition in Lincoln. At the time I lived in the Channel Islands, I'd flown over to the UK with the team. I'd done the competition and I think we won the regional championships at that particular point in time, which opens the door then to um, go to the national championships, which at the time were in uh, Millfield, uh, which is a private school in the south coast of England or the UK. Um, and I remember sort of qualifying, getting qualifying times for that, flying over to the UK for the British Championships. Um, and I want to, uh, it was a gold team medal. Uh, and that was back in the year 2000 for two of the rescue events. Um, and I think that's, once you uh, achieve uh, that, you know, that, that really does um, give you the confidence then to start looking at things like the Commonwealth or the Worlds or the European Championships and thinking, well, yeah, I can do this. Uh, and sort of pushing it and seeing how far you can take it. I think what's really interesting is that you're saying a lot of the times where you had a lot of fun or you enjoyed it was when you were with a team. And we, we so many times think of swimming or triathlon or running or cycling as a solo sport or as solo sports, where in mm. fact, when perhaps when we're younger, to introduce that team concept, it just really brings out the best of you. Yeah, it does. I mean, definitely my first events where I won something were team events. Um, I think that the team events, whatever part you're playing on it, whether you're doing a relay event, I mean, or whatever you're in with it, there's definitely a group. I don't want to let the team down or the team boying you on. So you want to be able to do well for it. And that does push you that bit further. Um, And there is a level of uh, greater enjoyment at the end of it when you know as a team you've achieved it. I think the the races that you do on your own, um, you have to have a level of... uh, self-determination yes definitely arrogance but you've definitely got to have a slightly different motivator to push you into that that zone to get you to the sort of the knowing when you finished it you've done the best you possibly can to get to where you are but the team events were definitely a you know when the team would say right we're going to go to the world championships we'd go to the british championships as a, as a team and then you'd see that the european championships were coming up in six months or the world championships six months after that you wanted to qualify because you wanted to be with a team to go there and have that shared experience and enjoy it. Yeah. So when you were doing the qualifying times, you, I think at that age, you were def- I was definitely thinking of, I don't want to be the one that doesn't go. And I think that's the part of the motivation that, that sort of came through at that time. Yeah, no, that's good. And so obviously it leads us to, to the, the, your, your biggest event. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's what I'm talking about. And I think you've got a great story um, participating on, in the, um, at the, at the Commonwealth Games. Mm. Um, so, again, make it, maybe just tell us about that transition of being, you know, doing national uh, championships to maybe European champs to Commonwealth Games, which, okay, it's not the Olympic Games, but it's, it's like a great uh, standards. I mean, you've got basically all the countries from the Commonwealth, hence the Commonwealth Games. Um, yeah. yeah so, so t- tell us about that. So, so I suppose, well, go backwards a little bit. I suppose where the, 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 the sort of the run up to that was that um, there was in, in world lifesaving, because I'll stick with lifesaving for now or the surf rescue side of it, which yeah. I've taken out from being a pool swimmer. Um, and that, um, the first event I went to that was an international was actually in 2002, which was the date in Daytona in the USA. 
uh, was the World Lifesaving Championships. And there are two teams that you'd go for. You can go for your club team and you can also be in the national team. And so getting into the club team was one great thing, but also being in the national team, which was the week after, uh, was another. Um, and I think that was the first time I'd ever really done an event that had a pool swim event that you would do in the first week where you'd be doing your individual events plus relay events. And then you'd be doing uh, surf beach events the week after. And then you'd repeat the damn thing the week after that for the national oh. team. So you almost had sort of two, two weeks of, of events, back back. one week of, yeah, back to back. And that was, the, that was really grueling. It almost felt like when you're in that zone, you live in a parallel universe in that world because you, you get up in the morning, you, you wear flip-flops, you wear your, your team kit for the first week, your national kit for the second week, your coach is drilling you about when your races are, are you ready, what time are you going to get, have you, have you cooled down, have you started up, have you started warming up, what, what's your regime, what are you eating for breakfast, all these things. And in that two-week period, it's an incredibly intense period of um, – just being in that zone and actually being it's a very strange thing actually when you come outside of it and look back on it that it becomes such a unique world that in that two-week period the only thing that mattered was the agenda that you had for that two-week period and what you had the races you had on that day and what, what you know your overall process in that, that that time and that really was the first time I experienced that intense um multinational team event multi-sport event where you would have an opening ceremony a closing ceremony uh, medal ceremonies and things like that and you'd see um, different countries coming in and different uh, people coming in with different motivations or you, you thought you were good at something and you thought your time on a certain event was good and then somebody from Italy would come along and kill your PB by five seconds and you'd go what <laughs> where did that happen <laughs> um, and, and I think that that was my first one where interestingly I'll come to the, the um, Commonwealth Championships in a minute because that that world championship event I've sort of come through uh, in 2000, so I was probably my early, I would have been in my early 20s, uh, 20 at that point, actually, um, that you do the events in the UK, you might do them regionally, you might get a British medal, you might get a, uh, a regional medal, and you've convinced yourself you're pretty good. Then you turn up at the World Championships and you realise, yeah. actually, there's a whole nother level. <laughs> yeah. And it's all right being here. And I think that that event was really quite interesting because I didn't final on anything. I didn't actually get through anything. But I do remember finishing the, the, the event and going, I want to be the person winning the medals next time. Yeah. Um, and I think that gave me a further motivation to do and train for the Commonwealth. But why, why do you think you had this attitude of saying, okay, I actually want to go. So that, that those championships inspired you to go further, to challenge yourself and just to go to the next step where you could have gone, okay, uh, this guy's five seconds ahead already. I mean, I've got no chance. And you know, it's a, it's a, it's it's yeah. either way you can go. And you decided that no, I'm gonna commit, and I I want to be the one with a medal next time. I think it was because some of the people I was swimming with in the UK, the British team, were winning medals, and you know, some of them were good friends of mine. I was the best man for uh, one of them, a guy called Ian Brown, and he, um, uh, a very quiet very introspective Scotsman who um, typical Scott comes across reasonably grumpy, but actually when you put him in the pool, he was quite, he was quite a demon and um, you know, he was winning medals and he was a great friend of mine. Um, and I think that when we were doing relay events together, we would, um, we would score quite highly, but we were just off that medal position. And there was one event, I think, which was a, on the ocean event where he was doing this. So it's an interesting event where, one of you would swim out from the beach side out to the camp and it was probably about 200 meters out 
uh, and this was in Daytona and I, I would swim out first legs to the can he once I got there he would then swim out collect me and then he would rescue me with his torpedo boy in his fins and we would come back out and then he had to run over the line to all those people who don't know what surf rescue is I'm probably describing something very very strange but that was the, that was the it's event like, it's like a uh, Baywatch yeah yeah like Baywatch absolutely um <laughs> people weren't as good looking in real life um so <laughs> so um and on that particular that's, that's event, and that's obviously open water in the ocean there yeah yeah that was open water and, I, and, and certainly from that particular event i think we came out of that event we got through the first round second round i think we came fourth now this was the world championships final and i think you know fourth wow. was yeah yeah that that motivates you to do something slightly better the next one now yeah. he he won his leg I lost the leg in the first part. So I think when you're that close to it, you kind of want to do better. Yeah. Oh, so it wasn't, so, it wasn't, it wasn't so far away. It was just at the point of being able to mm. catch it. And I think that's, that, that was part of the motivator for it. And I think that, you know, the rest of the team, the British team were doing really particularly well. There was a bit of a, um, an uplift in the standard and the quality of the UK team at the time. And we certainly had, um, at the world championships, our relationship with the Australian team and the South African team was really quite strong. And we were certainly feeding off of that relationship. Yeah, you get that uh, rivalry as well, I guess, between different nations as well. No? Do you, do you... Yeah, kind of, well, that, that, well you, you do. I think that the, the Australians and the South Africans were incredibly competitive against each other because they were kind of a peer group. Um, and they were certainly very competitive with the Americans, um, certainly in Daytona. And we being british have slightly colder water than they do yeah. and slightly less glamorous locations but they were really great with us and they really sort of pushed us and we were certainly by the time it came to the next world championships our skill set and level had gone up quite considerably yeah so and that was, also, uh, there was a lot of australians so that was daytona yeah and, uh, and then that, forward to yeah uh, well, that was 2000 and then that led to the, the world the world championships are every two years so that led to the world championships the next set in 2002 which were in sydney um, and the world championships were at the, um, sorry, world championships, Sydney were in 2000. And then you've got the Daytona ones in 2002. And then you've got the Commonwealth championships that were in 2003 and they were in Manchester. Um, and I think, you know, I'm a, I qualified as part of the Guernsey team. The, the interesting point with being part of the Guernsey team is, um, you qualify through the British championship round. So all the UK British teams come together. We're not in the UK, but we come together and compete in those ways and then go off to become part of the national team. Um, I think there were two swimmers from Guernsey at the time he swam for it. So it was a given that I was going to qualify. So all of my British friends who are trying to qualify for their national teams of England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, were actually in a very different position to me because they were actually competing for a place in the team. Mm. Whereas I was turning up and going, uh, I think I am the team. Yeah. Um, so it was uh, the UK championships for that were quite interesting that I didn't have the same motivation. But interestingly, what I found from that was, although there was kind of a, a, a relative level of smugness that I knew that I was going to get through, um, what I missed was there was no team. There was only me yeah. and two others in the Guernsey team. Whereas the once the English, Welsh, Scottish, Northern Irish teams have been selected, they then disappeared to their training camps. They then had their coaches. They then had all of their infrastructure. Yet I, coming away from the British team, had me plus a couple of maybe my coach or my coach in Guernsey at the time. And it became much more self-motivated than team motivated. And I actually found that transition much more difficult. So much more difficult. how did you find that, that motivation? Because obviously you, you qualified. 
I definitely qualified, okay. yeah, because the, um, the qualifying times you got through, yeah. But you now have to, you know, train for the yeah. games or for the for yeah. the championships on your own. There's no team, it's yes. just you. Yes. And that that was much, much harder than I thought because at the time I was living in Guernsey. So um, you're doing the training on your own. You've got your own, I've got the coach, I've got kit. You know, the, the, you know Guernsey was great because it, it kind of funded most of it. Um, but it was it was incredibly difficult sometimes to sort of motivate myself to do it. So I would then go to the UK and try and mix with some of the teams or I'd mix with the Subitage uh, in mm. St. Marlow to try and get some experience with them. Um, but you're right. I think the reason why it was so difficult was because when you're doing with a team, not only do you have a coach that's kind of giving you structure, but you have people that you can bounce motivation from. You can be inspired by the people that are in the team. You can, somebody can do a really good time and you can see that time and want to chase it. Or someone can come into that. You, you can have a down day and someone can bring you up because having a good day. When you're on your own, you have to find it all within you to sort of push yourself to that place. And I think that that um, just, just a, an experience from the, the change from the year 2000 to 2003 was very, very different for me, but a very different experience. So the uh, championships were then in Manchester, which is, yeah. You, but you were living in Guernsey then, or you were, no, you. I was in Guernsey in 2003. Yeah. yeah. So I was, I flew so, to the UK. And, and for the, point. for the ones who don't know where, it, what, where and what is Guernsey? Uh, where and what is Guernsey? <laughs> is that, I, I keep forgetting that. So I'm talking about surf rescue and people don't know what that is. It's Baywatch. And they're saying, where is, where is Guernsey? So uh, it's a small island just north of St. Marlowe, sort of Normandy. Uh, France. Yeah. It's a British island outside the UK, so it's just inside. It's in the English Channel. Yeah. yeah so it's a independent uh, nation, but part of the. It's not part of the UK, no, right? Or is it? Yeah, it's outside the UK, but it's a Commonwealth country. So it's like exactly. Australia, just just a lot yeah. smaller. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just so, a lot, lot smaller. <laughs> you know. So then back to well, now it's uh, Manchester. Tell us about yeah, that experience. So, that that was an interesting experience because you go to um again all the um all the teams turn up with their uh you know their coaches and their teams and things like that and it, you know you, you end up seeing these big teams turning up and sort of the opening ceremony there's 30 50 60 people in one team and then three in the guernsey team um and you know we're not having a debate who who flags who holds the flag there's only about one person who can do it so it's it's quite it's quite an intense condition but i think in some of the events that we did or the thing that i did you would find yourself going through the first sort of rounds and you would think uh that was one of them which was the 200 meter mannequin rescue um which i wasn't my favorite one actually it wasn't definitely wasn't my favorite sport and it, it, this was pool based not surf based the surf based one was in durban which i can talk about in a bit but this particular one in manchester was uh this particular event you put a pair of the most ginormous fins you've ever seen on you try and get yourself onto um uh, uh, uh you know the, the blocks to jump off and you have uh, your uh, torpedo boy resting on your back behind you now, if those of you who don't know what a torpedo is, you remember um, what's the name? That woman who used to run down the beach in Bay Watch with a big orange thing. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So a bit, bit like one of those, but a big long yellow thing. And then you would swim, you would dive in, swim 50 meters with your fins on with this thing. You would then wrap it around uh, a 12 stone water-filled mannequin, and then you'd tow it back 50 meters. 
and the leg burn on that i mean literally the leg yeah. burn from from those was, was probably from my experience is tougher than any of your mountain bike rides up any mountain <laughs> uh, but yeah. the race was, it was only about one one minute and six or something like that so it was quite fast um it wasn't my favorite event and it was not the event i wanted to do particularly well in and when you find out that you've got into the final um yeah. you know i sort of finished the event and i thought yeah fantastic finished done don't have to do that ever again i'm going to do any other event other than that and my coach came bounding up to me and she said oh adam well done you've got us the final i said i think i wanted to cry <laughs> <laughs> to do it again because <laughs> i had to do it again and it was it was in that afternoon session and i think there were there's eight lanes i think in manchester i think it's eight either way i'm in eighth lane and so that means you're the slowest person in the in the race and you've got um i think it was hackett in lane number he was lane four or five so he was fastest he was center and it, you know you get the south african team the australian team you have the english team they had little old me hanging on the end um and i think i started that race knowing that i my pb the best time i'd ever done in that event which i would never be able to repeat because my legs were still killing from the morning session was something like seven or eight seconds slower than the person who was oh, the wow. person in front of me and i think that that to me was um one of those moments when I thought, God, I'm, what am I doing this for? So to, I still look back on it and go, why did I do it? Why did I jump in? I should just not bother. Um, so when you dive in at that point, the cameras come along and introduce you to the crowd and people cheer. So everyone got a big cheer in Guernsey. What I found interesting from that was I got a really good cheer because <laughs> there was underdog. nobody else doing I was the underdog. Um, yeah. So I did the swim, got the mannequin, swam back and don't if you've ever swam in those event pools where you can see the cameras on the bottom yeah and i could i was swing along and swing along and i'm going well i can only see my camera and then as i'm coming towards the end of the 50 meter pool i see everybody else's camera shooting back <laughs> the other way <laughs> you still got to wrap that mannequin up i've still got to wrap the mannequin up oh, still, God. I've, yeah i've still got to wrap that and then i've got to turn around and spin back and all i can see is everybody else's mannequins coming towards me uh, you know, their, their cameras and I think it's that point when you finish and uh, I was thinking, I'm going to get that clap at the end, aren't I, that everybody gets. But I didn't and it was all very professional and it wasn't actually as bad as I thought it would be. But that is one of the downsides. That, so the upside of being from a small country is that you get into these events. The downsides is you find yourself somewhere that you probably shouldn't be putting yourself. Um, yeah, but in, on the other hand, it's great that because if you, if you at the Olympic Games, for example, if you only had the best swimmers, let's say the best swimmers in the world, it would just be basically filled with, you know, Americans, UK, Italian, that's it. And you do give a chance to smaller countries. And yeah, sometimes they, you know, at, at least they can qualify for the heats and, and well, you even qualified for the final, but I think giving a chance to everybody and, and that's kind of the, the purpose of these, these, these sports is the more grassroots level and, and inclusion participation. And by having, you in that in that in, in that final shows that yeah you can come from a small country and 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 still manage to you know there's eight lanes so that means you're top eight you know you, to be in the top eight you've got to get there and and that's already a great achievement yeah i think i think i you know i look back on it i look back at it with um you know with you know real pleasure and sort of pride and i think the, the other championships beyond that i mean i suppose look, the original question you asked you're swimming against people that you know have swam uh, at Olympic Games that have yeah. that have won medals at the Olympics and you're standing in the same pool as them. And I think, um, you know, that's a great, you know, that's a great story to tell people, but certainly from a point of trying to beat them, I think you know before you start, you're not going to do it. Um, 
but certainly from that event, you know, it went on to the, the Commonwealth Games, which were the Commonwealth Championships, Surf Championships that were, that were in uh, South Africa uh, after that event. And by which time, and it brings you back to that team position, you kind of know people on the competition circuit. So you know who your competition are, you know the teams mm-hmm. from Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and everywhere else, certainly in the Commonwealth um, area. Um, and, you know, the time you got to the World Championships that next year, which were in South Africa in Durban, um, there was a real sort of collective of people who knew each other and people were really getting on. And, and I think that that, again, helps drive you and motivate you to want to do well. And, and I think that, you know, saying earlier about that, why, what motivates you and what, why do you do these things? There's definitely a friendship piece. There's definitely a camaraderie that you want to be part of. Um, and, you know, that can drive you to do all sorts of things. Um, where it becomes difficult is when you know someone well and you're racing them. A motivator for me on the individual sports is I kind of have to get my hate on. I kind of have to hate the yeah. people that I'm swimming against um, to really want to beat them. And that's quite difficult when you when you make friends with people and you yeah. know in that in that kind of environment. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's so it's so. What is it? What's your when you're on the block then and you're against guys who who've swam at the Olympics? what do you what do you think what do you think about are you totally in your game <laughs> like in our podcast name is in the zone yeah. are you in the zone or are you you know shitting yourself <laughs> um i th- i think i was in the zone definitely i was in the zone at that point because I, I think i was i think the, the motivator on that one was the quicker i do this the quicker i get out the quicker it's over yeah. I think that was all I was, all I definitely remember on the, on the, on some of the events up to that one, I was definitely doing that. This is my game plan. I'm going to get in, I'm going to do this and I want to get this time. You kind of do that mechanical game planning you do in your head. Now, if you're doing a triathlon that's, I don't know, an hour or two hours long or one of yours, which is two days long or whatever it is, um, <laughs> you know, when you're doing a race like that, which is, you know, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, you know, we were talking yeah, minutes yeah. of a session, you break the race down into particular parts. I think the time I got to those, those finals, uh, I wouldn't say the game plan went out the window, but I was definitely in the mindset to just get, get it done, get it done and get it over and done with. Um, but yeah, you do get in the zone. You, you do, you do stand on the blocks. I think there is that anybody who's done a swing event when, when the place goes silent, and you have to walk up to the blocks and they blow the whistle for that, that, that tune they do, the sort of the, the tune, the uplifting tune to get you on the block. They blow the whistle three times to get attention. They blow the, the, the whistle again to get you on the block. You stand on the block and you put yourself in the position. And it's that five seconds of silence when you're in the position, the dive position, that just lasts forever because you've you just got yeah. this position where you're trying to roll into the dive without moving to get disqualified. Um, but that period is an absolute, that is, it, that is probably the worst bit. As soon as they go, take your marks, go and, you, and you're off. Yeah. To me, that's an amazing, that, that is the best part. The amazing release of just, just, just getting it out there and just getting on with it. Uh, you've got a job to do and you've got to get whatever race you're in, you've got to get it done. But that, that the nerves that you have just before you get on the blocks, um, for me are really quite intense. That, that, and that's is this something that you had to practice over the years? Because that's all about preparation, basically, mm. and and being mentally strong to focus on on what's ahead. Yeah, definitely. I think that um, 
yeah definitely i think there's there's um before you do those those events you'd certainly have if you're doing a, a two-day event or a three-day event however long it is you'll have probably four swims maybe two swims tops in top in one day because you're not going to do any, any more than that and you would definitely turn up at the pool find your seat in the stand you would uh, sit there and you'd have your walk around you'd be definitely trying to find your zone you would be counting down to when your session would be watching all the others swim um, and you'd get yourself into the zone and, and you know I'd certainly get myself into the zone so sort of half an hour before um, the usual uh, swimmer or even athlete thing of when do I go to the toilet what's the right time <laughs> what's you know how does my body yeah. feel um, when do I how do I warm have I warmed up enough and you would definitely get your own routine going before you actually took the position of getting to the blocks um, so the time you'd gone to the blocks you would have that over the years you develop a known pattern and I think for me it became a half an hour before two it would be three swims before mine get yourself ready get your kit on get your goggles get your hat ready um make sure you're all been to the loo had a drink yeah. and you're ready and then just just in i became very introspective and just look you know inward looking to yeah. find what you need to find to get get ready for that event and then you wait in the waiting room and you see the guys going out in their waves in their um in their heats being called out and you're kind of going and you're looking around the room to work out who are you against in your heat. Some of them, you know, some of them you don't. Um, and you know, you really do just focus on that particular point. I think. So you, you had really very much a routine on. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. the thing. To, I mean, I, yeah. I have the same thing with in triathlon, you know, where you set up your, your transition for me, for example, I always do the same thing. Um, same order. It's just, you know, by having that routine, you just take out all the sort of um, potential things that can go wrong because it's just dialed in. And I had the same thing back in my youth when I was um, playing golf. Um, same thing, the preparation from the moment you turn up at the golf club to the moment you tee off the first, uh, your first shot, the, the routine was exactly the same every single time. Mm. And you have to have that. Otherwise, it's, it's just you, you, you're going every, in all directions. Yeah, absolutely. You have to structure it. If you don't structure it in your mind, um, if you don't give yourself that structure, your mind doesn't have the space then to focus on what you've got ahead of you. And yeah. I think, and putting you in the right place, if, you, if you're sort of coming up to an event and you're still trying to work out where should I be, where's my hat, where's my goggles, where's my this, where's my that, um, you're then, then you're in the then you're, you're not focused. And I think there was there was one event I did see, um, and there was one guy. He was um, he was he was British and he was, it was his British championships and he was actually it was the world champions. He was due to win that event. I can't remember his name now. We are going back 20 years, but he turned up to the event. Um, he was, a bit, he was being a bit cocky. He'd won uh, medals at the last two competitions. And I think he thought in his head, this was a given, this was his. And so he could be more relaxed. He didn't focus as much turned, you know, he had a beard, which to any of you listening that, you know, beards and swimming are not a good idea you know they don't work in hats and goggles and all this <laughs> kind of stuff and streamlining um and you know he, he turned up to it and when he got on the blocks his goggles broke um you know he he rushed he hadn't checked his equipment and he didn't he he, he dived the race and he did the race but he did it without goggles and he didn't win anything and, it, and he was upset grumpy and fuming afterwards and, and and our shared coach at the time just said to him it's entirely your fault. You didn't get prepared. You weren't ready mentally. You just turned up to the race yeah. thinking you could do it. You're at the world championships. You, you can't just turn out and think you're going to turn up and win it. And I think that, you know, looking on from that, you know, I've always taken from that, that no matter how good you think you are, 
or what level you're at, if you don't prepare for it and you're not in the right headspace for it, then, then, you know, you're not going to get very far with it. Yeah, no, preparation is, is absolute key. Absolute mm. key. Um, and maybe tell us the other story where you got into a lane in the lane with one, a very famous swimmer, Australian swimmer. <laughs> Mr. Thorpe. Yeah. So how does it feel to be in the same, well, first event, same, well, same pool to start with, then mm, same event, yeah. same heat as Ian Thorpe. So Ian Thorpe uh, won how many gold medals? I mean, I don't oh, know at the time, he'd, at the time, I think he'd only won about twenty. It was he finished <laughs> um, I think the worst thing was actually when you're doing the warm-up piece, there was a pool below in that particular pool, and um, you know, I remember doing the warm-up heat and sort of seeing him swimming along, thinking I'm about to do my warm-up session in the same pool as Ian Thorpe. And do, do you know the bizarre and truly honest point? I was doing uh, my warm-up swim he was in front of me and I was blowing out trying to just keep up with him on the, on the warm up. Wow. And there's all sorts of psychological things that come then. Cause I don't know whether I was actually, but maybe I was overanalyzing his speed and what he was doing. And he just seemed to be pootling along very relaxed. And I'm there doing the warm up, thinking, you know, this is a good story to tell, but um, you know, realizing really the difference in his level to my level was off, you know, pretty much off the scale. So the, the, the Hackett guys that were there as well, and you could see they were a really close team. Um, and, you know, so you do those swims. And again, you know, when you turn up to the final race and you see that those guys are in those races, you think, you know, this is going to yeah. be a tough gig. But it is what it is. And, you know, you look back on it and you say, you know, genetically six foot, whatever he is, with massive, yeah. great big hands. Um, I'm five foot mm. 10, 11 on a good and day. Feet, no? Has uh, he got like palms for feet or something? Yeah, you just 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 ginormous units. So they're anatomically, yeah. You know, they they they've but, got a much better. Position. But even at your level, then would you say is is it? So it's anatomical plays a huge part, but perhaps also yeah. um, the technical aspect is just even even so refined that that they are much better. What what makes them so different? I, I think it was it was there was three things that were there I could definitely see anatomical definitely does make a difference now I know that sounds like a really lame excuse but six foot something oh, no. versus five yeah. foot something you know yeah. every every pull on his hands all the way through from top to bottom he was pulling a third more water than I was no matter how much I yeah. trained I was never going to get that um, I, I think that they, they have a you know there's a an absolute focus. I mean, remember that they, they were full-time athletes. I wasn't as well. So when I was working, doing a job like most people do, um, and swimming was number two, although I enjoyed it, it was my social life. It was what I did. Um, that was their number one. So they had the anatomical part of it. They had, it was their full-time job. It was fully funded. They were part of the Australian Institute of Sport. Yes, they were being fully funded um, and they were on the swim circuit. So and they had full-time coaches, full-time physios, full-time dietitians. I had little old me. Um, so a very, very different focus. I think that, you know, they deserve that focus because they had yeah. all of the, that's what's going for. And then there's the personal discipline, the, the level of discipline and pressure they're under at that level is quite, it's, it's huge. They've got sponsors that are paying from that expect things to happen. They've got national media. They've got all sorts of people following them around. I could almost disappear into the background and not be seen. It didn't really matter. Um, so they definitely have, you know, I was talking earlier about the pressure you have from friends or the, the interest, the, the interrelated pressures you get from peer groups. Um, their pressure was much, much greater. Uh, and so I think all those things crystallized to a motivator for them that, that do make them excel in a completely different, in a completely different way. And that's where, 
you know, over the years, I've looked back and thought, right, in, in these races, there is always someone who's going to come eighth. There's always someone who's going to come in the second round. There's always somebody who's not going to win the medals. If every race I did, I had to win a medal, I wouldn't have done any of the sports that I do and nor anybody else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I kind of, you, you reconcile yourself to that position. I've won some Commonwealth medals. I've won national medals. I've won world championship medals. And I'm very, very pleased with them. And they're, they're great. And, I, you know, but certainly... Um, you know, at that level with those competitors, you, you know when, you know, it's just, you know, be, be aware of where you are with it, but don't let it get you and degrade the contributions you've made and the motivation you've got, accept it for what it is and still push yourself as hard as you can. Yeah. So all this uh, swimming, I mean, you've been, you've been swimming for what, 20, 25 years, maybe something like that? Yeah, I'd say so 25 yeah, years. 25 years. Yeah. So, yeah. and you, you're, you're still swimming. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if the pools are open these days in the UK or not, but they're they're closing. Uh, the, pool, uh, the pools have, the pools have closed. I think they're back, back open in in England anywhere. Yeah. I think the rest of the UK, not sure, but certainly on the second of December, I think the pools open. But what's um what what is your motivation these days? What what keeps you going? What keeps you going back to the pool? Because you've tried a triathlon for a bit, and it didn't work so well. <laughs> you kept on getting injured. <laughs> well, I didn't push you yeah, off the you, bike. You, we did. Um, uh, so, uh, so I, th I think with, with triathlon, that was an interesting one because I think um, tri I think with swimming, I think I'd, I'd um, you know, at the age of 24, 25, work becomes much more important and you can't put the time into the pool that I was before. And I think the point of motivation was and variance that we talked about earlier. For me, swimming had become very much singular. And I wanted something different. And I, and I felt that with triathlon, there was something different there. I was learning a new something. Um, so I was getting, you know, how to ride a bike, how to run, how to swim and how to combine all three of them. Um, I think with, uh, with that, uh, you know, it certainly pushed me on the bike. One of the things that I struggled with was the bike. Um, swimming, I was with, I think actually that was part of the motivation. You know, if you're a good swimmer, you finish the swim quite high up in the, yeah. in the rank. And then you find on the bike you're going backwards. <laughs> for, yeah, it doesn't for hours get it. on end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you have to defend the position. It's true. Yeah, yeah, and it's that. That I think is psychologically really challenging. And I think yeah. that um, because when you get off to the run, you know that you're going to have to do a negative split on the run to bring yeah. your position back. And actually, as you know from triathlon, mostly it's mostly won on the run on the bike, and nobody ever wins it in the bleeding no. swimming or anything else like that. So I think triathlon was interesting. But what I did find was, you know, I'm a you know, a sprinter, that's, that was my background. And, you know, things like uh, a normal Olympic sized triathlon, my body was, is just not made for no. those things, but certainly a sprint or a super sprint. Um, I think yeah, but, it's, but even a sprint, yeah. even a sprint triathlon is, is an hour long versus your events, which are like what, 50 seconds. I'd like them to be no more than 25 seconds. Or oh, 25 told, seconds, so. you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, 50 or hundred meters. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I'd, as you get older, you, you end up doing long ones. So I might do a 200 fly and I might be yeah. looking for a, say, a 240 or 245 on that or a uh, 53, which I might be looking for a 25, 26 or something along those lines. So uh, a, a sprint triathlon, which was normally about one Oh, one hour, one Oh five. Yeah. One Oh five. Something like that. Depending on the course, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I think those ones that you and I did uh, back in Lincolnshire, the super sprint ones, I think I did one year, which would have been 10 years ago now, which I did all, I think it was four in a series. Yeah, yeah, and I did all four in that series, and I think I, I won I the think age. You won your age group. group. Yeah, yeah. I did, yeah, and um, I would. I was quite dismissive of that at the time, actually, but that was ten years ago. I think I was dismissive of it at the time, thinking, "Oh, that's nothing." I remember. Just a, yeah. 
a regional thing and I got this medley placky thing and didn't really think anything of it and I got a letter saying from Triathlon England I could go to the next age group events but I think the I think going back to your point was I think I got to the point with that and I just thought I just didn't enjoy it and I think that it didn't mm. matter how well I did um, the motivation wasn't there for me to pursue it. and I think that's because I found the bike so goddamn awful but, um, <laughs> yeah, but you've got, like, like you yeah. said you've got to enjoy what you what you do yeah. and I guess uh, that's why yeah. you then went back to 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 swimming yeah so you know I dabbled in triathlon I might go back to it one day but you know certainly from a uh, you know triathlon to me was um, I've never had a sport where you had to think about injury. You know, I never thought about that in swimming. With triathlon, I had to keep thinking about injury, either falling off a bike or breaking an elbow or, um, you know, uh, muscle pulls from the run or whatever it's going to be, whereas swimming was never a consideration. So I felt as you get older, swimming becomes more um, more realistic for your body to deal with that level of training. You know, you can't do a 400-meter sprint track training or a 10K run or do triathlons continuously without expecting your joints and bones not to yeah. be hurting at some point. So swimming, the motivator for swimming really for me is that I'm good at it. I know what I'm doing. I can get, I can totally switch off when I'm doing it. I don't have to think about it. And I know it's going to keep me fit and I know it's going to keep me healthy and I know that I'm not going to get injured from it. Um, so long as I keep my sort of uh, mobility and sort of muscle mobility working all the way through it, things like fly or free, whatever it's going to be. Um, but also the motivation does come down to, again, a team. So, you know, I swim with, um, I haven't done for a while now because you can't because of these the COVID restrictions you have. But, you know, I swim with a, a, a North London Masters team called Cali Masters and you make friends and you get to see yeah. people. You have that regular meeting with them on a Monday night and a Thursday night and you talk about each other's lives. And then we will go to the Scottish Nationals and do some swimming and we'll do some Masters events or the British Masters events. And I can look back on it now. I know people on the circuit that I've swam with for years and I'm, I like to do good times. I'd like to win a medal or two. I like to sort of do well. Yeah. But if I don't, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. No, and that's when you really understand your we we talk a lot with Micah, the co-host of the podcast, about the why. And yeah. why you do the sports is is super important. I think you mm. know you know exactly why you do the sport, but you also really enjoy it. And if it brings you happiness, then just keep on going. Yeah, I mean, it is good to push yourself. I do every, I do have a perverse uh, wanting to race. I do, I do that that moment, as I was saying earlier, about going up to the blocks and that silence and putting yourself in the zone and feeling the butterflies in your stomach and knowing that this 200 event yeah. um, in my age group category now, which is 40 to 45, whatever it is. Um, I know that 200 meters of fly is going to hurt and it's going to be difficult, but I'm not there to make it. I'm, you know, that's the reason why I'm doing it. And if I get a medal out of it, great. Or if I get a PB out of it, great. Mm. Um, so, you know, th there is definitely that, that point. And there was, there was a point in time, I think in my, when I was doing triathlon and why I moved from swimming, I'd turn up to an event and I wouldn't feel that drive. You know the 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 coach or the the, the yeah. event master. You, would you didn't really it. sign up for the most glamorous events, though. In 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 defense of triathlon, when, you, <laughs> <laughs> when you're doing Mansfield triathlon or whatever it was, you know. So, uh, you know, we we went to Barcelona. That was a great memory for me. One I of did, my first I, ones, I and, that. and that's yeah. that's I think uh, I'm pretty sure you enjoyed it. I came seven. I came seven. Yeah. and I was injured, and that was a yeah. super sprint, which was I, I I back to the 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 thing. I thought the super sprint was amazing. It was a 400 meter yeah. swim. Which was brilliant. I think it was even shorter. I think it was two hundred. I barely got my. I barely got wet. Yeah. Um, I sort of straight in, straight out, and then I, all I had to do yeah. was cycle down. Um, I think it was a ten k cycle. Or something I think ten like k, and then you had two k run. 
and I had a 2k run. I had a on my so, knee. I'd, I'd hurt. I'd, honestly, I came seventh. And what was that? The European Championships. So I must admit, I should have carried on doing super sprints because I thought they yeah. were brilliant. Cause it, was, it was over in half an hour. Yet two days later, you were still doing whatever event you were doing. Um, you know, yeah. running, cycling for hours on end, whatever, whatever you do. But you know, my body is made for sprinting, not made for long distance yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh well. Anyway, so Adam, um, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's really been a pleasure. I mean, obviously we, we've been friends for, for many, many years and you certainly are, uh, you helped me a lot, you know, building, uh, Jura sports and, um, you know, for, for that, I'm extremely grateful, but you know, not only that, um, 10 years ago when you kind of took me under your wing, um, in the sport of triathlon or swimming and, um, it, it was, yeah, it really meant a lot to have that sort of mentor, you know, and mentor in terms of um sports and now you kind of are my sort of mentor in in business as well and so it's it's um yeah so i'm really really happy that you could uh come on the show and and share your story uh which is just absolutely amazing so thank you very very much that's all right there's one thing i'd like to share with people just just as we go on to this which was uh i didn't realize thierry um was 10 years ago wasn't the world's best swimmer no <laughs> um, and persuaded me that he wanted to go sea swimming yeah. And uh, so we drove out to um, the east Skegness? coast of England, no. Skeg Vegas, no. Mapplethorpe, Mapplethorpe. Mapplethorpe. Yeah. And uh, Mablethorpe, for those who know who it is. And um, we decided that we'd go for a sea swim in Mablethorpe. And I didn't realise until we were in the water that Thierry then says to me, I've never really swam in the sea before. I've yeah, never that really was, done open And that's the, that's the North Sea. It's brown. Yeah. There's big waves. <laughs> and I remember the, 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 the lifeguard saying, are you guys sure you want to go in there? <laughs> uh, so we went in there and I must admit, when I came out of it, I was, uh, well, you know, well done to Jerry for sort of, that was that 10, 11 years ago now? Must yeah, be yeah 10 years ago at least, yeah. You know, and, and, from, and from that sort of swim where you'd never really swam in the sea before, you've gone all this time and doing your, your own triathlons and sort of going on your own journey. And actually, you know, even last week when you texted me and said you've done some great times in your 400 or your 200, yeah, you know, yeah. it's a huge journey and self-commitment you've made over the last 10, 11 years to actually get that far from, you know, a late start in life. So, you know, motivation comes from all sorts of places. Yeah. And it shows that it's, you know, you can start late, like yourself in, in swimming, late teens, and reach an incredible level. No matter how old or how late you start, you know, you can still improve. And as long as you enjoy it, you know, then keep on going. Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much, right. Adam. Cheers. Right. Speak soon. Cheers. Bye bye. So, Mike, here, any other business? What are you up to? Yeah, well, um, it's uh, I, I did something really interesting uh, two days ago or yesterday, I believe. I swam in very cold water and, and I, I, I actually a few years ago, I used to do that more often. I really swam the whole summer season and then up to uh, maybe November, but mm. I hadn't done that, uh, well, for two years. So it was a cold shock. My, my friend made me do it. You swam and, in the lake? Yeah, in the lake. Yeah. How, how cold was I it? I don't know, 10, 10. It's still, it's still okay-ish, <laughs> but... But it was really interesting because uh, I, I I joked and I said uh, the water is not cold and uh, but it was cold so n I really tried to you know not think stay in my bubble and uh, yoga helped a lot so the breathing techniques meditation helps a lot so basically I, I I didn't think it was cold 
Yeah. It was it was really it was okay. There's a lot of um, there's yeah it's it's quite popular. That's it, it's, called, called, it's called therapy. Mode. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Everybody's but talking about it. I think it. for prevention, prevention of of um, you know you got yeah of course you got to believe it. I'm not sure exactly where exactly is the research on on all that, but um, it has. Proved, well, proved. It has shown some benefits for in preventing some diseases and just being generally improving your um, your your health because you become more resistant. I guess uh, they say. I mean, at least psychologically or mentally, they say it's a really interesting um, uh, thing to do when you want to prepare mentally for big events because your body, obviously, even. Let's say you are about to swim in the cold water in 30 minutes. Your body is preparing for that cold water and also your mental side. So you are prepping yourself. And there is some kind of, you know, anxiety uh, building up in your body. Oh my God, I have to go in the cold water. So and dealing with that, learning to deal with that helps you... yeah. clearly to to become stronger mentally yeah i didn't, How, I didn't think about the mental aspect i thought i was obviously i'm yeah no i only think about the the um, the physical aspect and how what it can bring to you but it's true mentally it's a it's a huge yeah yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It, it, it can be very helpful i must say that for the athletes or for people who are already doing a lot mental preparation it's nice but it does not give uh you know it, it's not that it changes everything hmm. no but it's very you, personal how long do you swim, you swim no, not like long 10 minutes or no minutes? no no five five okay. maximum yeah yeah because yeah, you get super cold no otherwise. you can i think you can uh, uh stay in the water uh um, uh the temperature min one or minus one or two minutes but you you can build that up. I think I, just, I stayed for five minutes. Maybe yeah, next time enough, I will yeah. stay for six minutes. But it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you gonna enough. keep it up? You do it. Yeah, gonna, it's that, nice. You gonna have a routine? Yeah, do sometimes. Do yeah. 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 Oh, cool. Um, I yeah, I've just uh, buried myself today on the bike actually, so I'm a bit I'm a bit tired. Um, doing some uh, you know, quite hard intervals, um, and. Uh, I'm doing some mountain biking probably this weekend. I'm going to try to um, um, go again in the Jura, try a little bit of uh, mountain biking with some friends, hopefully, uh, whoever wants to join me. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about it, really. Just taking it easy. Not much planned. It's uh, November. It's a bit of a boring... I don't like November. No, it's foggy outside. Uh, in in the mountains, know, it's beautiful. Yes, actually, this morning, good point, I went for a hike with my dog and... At about 800 meters or so, all of a sudden, the mist starts to go away and it was sunny, blue sky, absolutely amazing. And so that was really, really nice. And then as soon as you go back into the fog, (laughs) cold, and you have to put your gloves again. And uh, so, yeah, so that was nice. I went for a nice hike with my dog, although she disappeared for about 15 minutes chasing a, a fox or a deer or something like that, which I was a bit worried, but she came back. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bit wild, but uh, yeah, so that was good fun. Anyway, so I hope you guys um, enjoyed the, the show today. Um, if you have some time to give us a little rating on iTunes, that would be absolutely amazing. We would love that. We'd also love to hear about what you think of the show. Um, send us an email, um, reach out and tell us if there's a specific topic that you want to talk about. Um, and uh, we'll be happy to to dig deep into some other subjects. Um, and um, if you guys want to, if you have good stories to tell, you know, come on the show. Don't be afraid. We're nice. 
And yeah, so um, for everything about mental strength and sports psychology, you can reach uh, Mike here, you thrive. So you dash thrive dot ch. Yeah. And for myself, for sports endurance coaching, you can reach me at jurisports.com. Thank you very much. Bye bye. <laughs>